Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas, but don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you are fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We've been called to communion in Christ. We have been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. Our title, New Manna, comes from John 6, 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna. He is the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us every single day in the Holy Eucharist. So if you are tuning in for the first time today, welcome to the club. I just want to give a special shout out to all those who have left a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify because you're helping us get the word out there to the world that Jesus is alive, that he's about a good work, and he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today, I have the distinct privilege of being joined by some awesome, fantastic ladies, the sister servants of the pierced hearts of Jesus and Mary, specifically Sister Monica, Sister Kelly, and Sister Lucia. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us. So sisters, I want to know who are you and what's your state of life? Yes, so we are religious sisters. We are ordinary people, but to a radical calling of holiness. Mm. And we lay down our life completely to our Lord Jesus Christ. What's very beautiful is that each one of us has a different story. But it's that love of Jesus Christ that Mm. gets us out of the ordinary activity to lay down our life completely to him. And Mm. so what makes us religious sisters is we take uh, vows through the evangelical councils. So we have chastity, poverty, obedience. Mm. And in our case, our religious community has a distinct vow of Marian identification and availability. Mm. So to give you an example, yeah. the missionaries of charity. Yep. I know they've been previously on this as well. They have a charism to be, they have a, another vow that they take to be with the poorest of the right. poor. So not all religious communities have that. Yeah. And that is what makes our religious community very distinct. So we lay our life, our spousal love to Jesus Christ through the specific charism that yeah. we are called a gift that is given in the church for the uplifting of the church and then serving through a specific mission that we have been entrusted. Uh, Sister Lucia was telling me earlier just how an extension of your charism lived out is being all things to all people uh, and whatever it is that you need to proclaim the gospel to that time and place. So you were telling me there are religious sisters. You, Sister Lucia, are incredibly fluent in Adobe Illustrator, in Photoshop. (laughs) And there are some who are, you know, blessed to be able to to know how to run cameras and like webcasts and stuff. All, you know, what are some other examples of what the sister servants of the pierced hearts of Jesus and Mary do? In a deeper way. And uh, we, being servants of the pierced hearts of Jesus and Mary, we were founded in the Archdiocese of Miami, Uh 1990 by Mother Adela Galindo. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty new. It's a new charism in the life of the right. church and in the life of the world. So we are a Marian charism mm. per excellence. So like I was telling you before we started the program, um, it's the all-embracing motherhood of Our Lady. Mm. Whatever is needed in the church, whatever Our Lady would do for her children, yeah. that's what we do, whether that's working in schools, teaching, campus mm-hmm. ministry, 
working in social media, working with the youth, mm -hmm. working in military ordinary of Italy. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have an extensive mission and ministry right. in the life of the church and in the life of the world, and is bringing the love, the purest hearts of Jesus and Mary, and the triumph of love, right. building a civilization of love, life, truth, solidarity. That's wonderful. Yeah, and that's something very important: is the availability. Yeah, we mm -hmm. are completely open to the Holy Spirit. Where our mother, the church, needs us and service. It doesn't matter uh, something big, small. We are available to give ourselves completely. That's awesome. Okay, tell me about who you are, Sister Kelly. Go. So one of the beautiful things about our community that I think is very fitting for yeah. this particular podcast as Numana is that we have four pillars of our spirituality. Mm. And the very first one is Eucharistic. Mm. And so the Eucharist is not only the center of our own lives, it's where we receive all of our life from, yeah. but then it's also the center of all of our apostolic missions. Mm. So in many of our dioceses, we have Eucharistic cenacles where we come together to praise and adore the Lord. Yeah. We have everything, all our youth ministry, everything leads up to this source and summit of our faith. Right. Our other uh, pillars of our spirituality are that we are Marian, as we've already spoken about that, um, our fourth vow. We are living in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the heart of the church. Mm. So those are the four pillars. Those are our four pillars. In the heart of the church, Marian, Eucharistic, and what was and the, living in the power of the Holy the, Spirit. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. We could all use a little bit more Holy Spirit. This is, We're recording this just days before Pentecost, so Amen. come Holy Spirit. Amen. I would love to know um, your story of falling in love with Jesus. So take me back to the beginning of you, that happening for you. All right. I can start. Go ahead. And this is Sister Lucia. <laughs> um, my first encounter and the one that I will never forget and it will always remain in my heart is the encounter of where I heard my religious vocation, my calling. Mm. So I was a junior in high school, okay, 17 years old, and I was invited to attend to a Eucharistic cenacle, which Sister Kelly Grace mentioned. I've heard you said cenacle. Can you tell me what a cenacle is? Well, I don't the know upper, what that is. The upper room. <gasps> the upper room. <clears throat> where the apostles are That's right. receiving the Holy Spirit, yeah. basically. So we call the Eucharistic cenacles because it really, it's like an outpouring of the Spirit, hardcore, mm. in such a powerful way. And that's what I experienced. Yeah. So that's how I came to love the Eucharist. So to go deeper, um, I was coming from a Catholic family, not a devout Catholic, no, not, not practicing. Sure. So I didn't grow up with a prayer life. Okay. I didn't know how to pray. Anyway, coming out from a soccer game in the evening, I was invited to go to a Eucharistic Sonic. I had no idea what it meant. Mm -hmm. And I just went for other reasons to say hello to one of the sisters who is my aunt. That was my only reason why I went. So um, how Eucharistic Sonicals work in Miami, it's every Friday. Where the founders and our sisters gather and it's time we pray the Holy Rosary at 730, then eight o'clock mass, followed by basically praise and worship Let's go. and listening to the Holy Spirit and the Lord in Eucharistic adoration. So we we got there when um, the Lord was being exposed. Mm. So I ha I've like I have no idea what to do. Hundreds of people kneeling. And I'm like, I'm here standing. This is very awkward. I might as well just kneel too. And, mm -hmm. you know, we'll see what happens. So. The moment that I knelt um, and the, our mother founders and our sisters started singing like angels. Yeah. And I just immediately felt this rush in my inner being. I don't know how to describe it yeah. as one of those experiences that are um, supernatural, I would right. say. So 
um, contemplating our Eucharistic Lord and then our, the priest walking with our Eucharistic Lord yeah. and stopping in front of people. Um, he stopped right before me and I was just bawling. Mm. I cried so much. And for me, crying was a sense of weakness. I would never cry in a soccer field or never have people yeah. see me cry. So, yeah. but here I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing the fire of his love in a way that I've never felt before and experienced before. It was so palpable and concrete. Yeah. Um, and so in that moment, our Lord um, told me and I heard his voice just like, I'm hearing you. Yep. He said, I want you to be mine. I want mm. something special from you. Yeah. And from that moment on, I started wanting to unpack those words wow. and wanted to see what it meant and how it looked and what was that for my life. So I started discerning, praying, obviously, yeah. turning to God, praying, purifying myself, going to confession, going to Eucharistic adoration, going to mass. I mean, all the sacraments, the sacramental life mm -hmm. until religious life clicked for me. Yeah. And that's what it meant to be all his and something wow. special, to leave everything behind, starting family, sports, uh, material things, detachment from so many things that I was yeah. attached to, to give myself totally and completely to his love. Yeah. So this experience of when I was a junior, that first Friday, and this was December 4th, 2008. It is the point of reference and my point of returning when those moments of um, doubt or confusion or like, yep. are you sure, Lord? I'm so unworthy. Yeah. But I always yeah. go back to that moment in which he called me by name and allowed me to experience the power of his merciful mm. love through his Eucharistic presence. Yeah. It's something that it's so hard for me to explain, especially because it's something that I got to experience just in a unique way. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, if I think about it, it's like if it happened yesterday. Right. But that was the moment where I encountered the power of his love, his mercy, his healing power, his yes. transformative power. Because after that day, my old self changed completely and I've been able to become the woman that he has created me to be. And this will, the transformative power will continuously right. happen until the day I die. Right. I was just thinking about how children in the womb don't know that they're about to be born. And just how this John 3 experience that you're describing of being born anew, it's not something that you were expecting, right? You were, you were just there and you're like, well, I might as well kneel. And then this, you felt, you said this rush, this rushing sensation, this rush of wind within you. Wow, how beautiful and powerful. That was just the beginning so good. of this journey. Could you tell me more about, you had this awesome encounter, you graduated maybe. What, what was this call in your life of religious life? What, what does that even mean and what happened? Well, after that experience, like I said, if I, there's so much in details in the story. Sure. But um, obviously knowing that whenever we open our hearts to the power of his love and his mercy, yeah. there's so much he can do and he has a freedom transform us therefore i wasn't what you see right now okay mm. i wasn't born with a habit or a halo or anything like that okay? so you're i was you're human <laughs> i am oh. i'm an ordinary human being maybe with an extraordinary or extraordinary vocation but i'm just as human. sure sure um but the beauty of me seeing others witnessing mm. um his transformative power yeah. by allowing myself to to be transformed yeah so after that day like i said I became, uh, my whole life changed. I become to be virtuous. This is with time, obviously, mm -hmm. and it's a lo lifelong journey. Yep. More virtuous, more, more, more loving, 
uh, more caring, more yeah. generous. I used to be very prideful, very prideful in the sport. Yeah. I used to be very selfish. I, mm-hmm. So all these different vices and lack of virtue were being transformed into a yeah. Christ-like human being. Right. You know. So religious life. I mean, um, when the Lord said, "I want something special from you, and I want you to be mine," I since that moment I wanted to unpack those words. So obviously. Yeah. I get to say I get to say hello to my aunt sister Anne, at the end of the Eucharistic Sunday when she's like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "You know, this and this happened," and she so prudently asked a sister to come forward and introduce mm-hmm. me to a sister who guided me all through my discernment process. And um, yeah. so I would go every Friday from there on. I didn't miss any Eucharistic Sunday, and then there was something in me every time I saw the sisters. I'm like. I want to experience or I want that same joy yeah. that they express with their actions, yeah. with how they carry themselves, with the way they love. They're so free. And mm-hmm. I want that for me. Yeah. I don't know. How, I, don't, I don't know how to achieve that, but I want yeah. that. That was the first thought of like, wow, I really, I really want that for my life. Yeah. And then religious life just kind of automatically popped into it my means, heart. Yeah. It's, it's not something that you calculated. No. You know, you didn't make a spreadsheet and be like, well, I should be a, I should be a nun. No. You know, it's, it's, it was something that was revealed to you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my dream was to become a professional soccer player yeah. and get married with a soccer star and have lots of kids so we could have a whole soccer team and family. Olympian soccer. Yeah. A little squad. And little did I know that by becoming a religious and Christ being my bridegroom, I mean, I have thousands of spiritual children more yeah. than I could ever imagine. Yeah. I want to just go <laughs> so, off and yeah. like a whole Holy Spirit tangent. <laughs> and just talk about Encounter School of Ministry, which you guys should totally join. Do you know what Encounter is? No. No. Tell okay. us more. All right. We'll cut this out later. It's fine. <laughs> Encounter is a two-year training program that I'm on the leadership team for here in Kansas City to equip disciples to walk in the full supernatural lifestyle of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Luke 9, Luke 10, Matthew 10, Matthew 28. How do we actually do that? How do we do acts? Wow. Yeah, Powerful. It's, it's really Thank cool. Sure. Yeah. We're having a summer intensive this July, which you guys should totally come to and just, yeah, get a little taste of what Encounter is. Sister Kelly, your turn. Yes. God is so good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I grew up in the Chicago area, in the suburbs there, and I grew up in a very, praise God, wonderful practicing Catholic family. And so the great gift of that was that I grew up knowing my faith, knowing what the church taught, Yeah. Um, and really being a part of just the sacramental life and... Um, and that was a huge gift. But for some, however it turned out, how, why, I don't know why this happened, I don't know, but I just didn't make the connection all the way from my head to my heart. Mm-hmm. Always I, I went to church on Sunday and I knew a lot about the faith, but it wasn't something that was really flowing into every part of my life. And because of that, I mean, the world is so strong, so you get kind of swept yeah. away and still with those kind of roots and that identity that says, oh yeah, I'm Catholic, but Right. Was I authentically, was Christ the center of my life? And was I mm. looking at him and listening to him? No, you know, I didn't have that r- real encounter and relationship with yeah. him. And so it wasn't until I went to college that I knew I had to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. And so when I went to college, I had I found where the Catholic Newman Center was. Yeah. And so it was there that I saw for really one of the first times so many young people that were my age that were you know, normal that I was like, oh, you're kind of cool. I kind of want to be friends with you. Yeah. But they were in love with Jesus Christ, Mm. in love with him. And they, we would be like, you know, doing something in the dorms together and they'd be like, well, um, we're going to go to the perpetual adoration chapel. If anyone wants to come, you know, it's like 11 o'clock at night. I was like, 
people do this? You know, this it's not just crazy. my dad. It's yeah. not just, you know, like my, I, the priest, you know? Right. And so that was the first thing that kind of opened my, mm. my heart and mind. But at the same time, I still had many other things that I was, you know, involved yeah. in everything at college and trying to have the college experience. Yeah, and, yeah. and so it, it didn't just, it didn't really fit into my agenda to really give my life to the Lord. Right. And so it wasn't until time was going on, time was going on. And I found if I was busy with all those things, I could be happy enough, you know, like Mm -hmm. I distracted enough. But when it was just me alone in my dorm room, Mm. I was so lonely. Yeah. And I felt like I knew everyone. I was kind of like a part of all the clubs. So I would like walk walk through the campus and be like, hey, 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 you know, all these people I knew. And yet nobody really knew me, Mm. you know, and I felt so alone. And I, I said, I don't understand. I have everything you're supposed to have. And, and I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. And I, I had this sense like, okay, life has to mean something. And I don't know if my life really means anything, you know, Mm -hmm. like, okay, what do you do? You get good grades to get a good job to, and everything had a, and then what? Okay. You buy the house and then what? And then you have, and then what, then what? I knew it had to end in something, have a clear direction. And I knew I didn't have that. And so I had this wrestling um, with the Lord. And because I had seen the witness of those other students at the Newman Center, I had somewhere to look to, to kind of say like all of my, all these different groups of people I know, look around and say, who actually is living and right. who has that, that then what that I'm searching for. Yeah. And I, I knew it was with those, those who were at the Newman Center mm-hmm. really living with the Lord at the center. And so that was what really opened my, my heart to say, okay, let me go find out what what is there. And so, at the first Bible study that I went to, we would always I would always miss it on Thursday nights because I had other things going on. Sure. The first one that I went to, um, one of the sisters there asked me or invited me to ask the most important question of my life, which is, how do you do God's will? Because yeah, I can't even you know I know okay God wants me to do this and I don't even do it. She said, <clears throat> ask God to show you how much He loves you. Mm-hmm. And that winter break of first winter break of um, college, I went home and I started asking the Lord, show me how much you love me. And at the same time, I received this um, kind of, I think, spiritual game plan that was the five stones, which is something that Our Lady gives us in, in apparition. And in these five stones, it's the Eucharist, the scriptures, fasting, confession, and prayer with the heart, especially the rosary. Let's go. And so with those five stones, it felt like, okay, I know I can, I started to encounter the Lord because I was asking him, show me how much you love me, show me how much you love me. But at the same time, I had this concrete path to walk that was to start to pick up the stone. Okay, I'll go to that perpetual adoration chapel I keep hearing about. I'll go to a daily mass. I'll start praying with the scripture and letting the Lord speak to my heart, even if it's just for a little bit of time. And so because I started to do that, the Lord started, I started to encounter him for the first time, not just in my head, but in my heart. And yeah. when I, when that happened, little by little, he started to pull so many extra other things out of my life, yeah. out of my life and fill it with him, fill it with him, wow. fill it with him. And it was, it changed the whole trajectory of my life. And wow. he started to be really at the center and I was more that loneliness that I had was not only filled but overflowing to the point where I became determined to go bring any other college student on that campus to encounter the love that I had 
encountered because there was I couldn't imagine that I could have someone could be walking off like I was with that emptiness that yeah. I was experiencing and wanted everyone to come and and experience that love. Sister, as you were talking, I just saw um, like Mark four and five, two of the busiest days of Jesus's ministry, and he's just back and forth, back and forth across the Sea of Galilee, right? And like you asking the Lord, like, Lord, show me how much you love me. And then him just being like, hey, come on, let's go. Let me show you. Let's go. You know, we maybe like you weren't in the same boat as him, but you were following and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. But yeah, how often the Lord asks us, um, he, he comes to us. He always comes and he always accepts the invitation. Mm-hmm. He's a great guest. But when he's there, sometimes he says, okay, but it's not going to be right here. It's come with me. Let's go, let's go for a walk. Yeah. Let's go across the yeah. lake. And how beautiful that it sounds like kind of that happened for you that he, he made himself known to you more fully and more fully and more fully yeah. as time went on. It's wonderful. And then you became a sister. Yes. So this new path, this new trajectory of my life was really opening up and it was to just go more and more to the Lord, follow this path of the five stones. And then how can I bring others to encounter this yeah. love? And all the while, well, an important detail that I didn't mention was that the ones who were running this Newman Center that yeah. had these faith-filled college students that had attracted me so much were our sisters. So the mm. servants of the pierced oh, hearts cool. of Jesus and Mary. And so it was really because of their formation and their guidance of this ministry that it was so alive and that I was able to encounter the Lord um, through both the witness of others and then face to face with him in the Eucharist, in the scriptures. And so um, the sisters always, I mean, we began, as I began to grow closer to the Lord, I was always going to the times of formation and um, being closer with the sisters and, and that that immediately they would tell us one of the most important things in college was ask God about his perfect plan for your life. You know, he created you for something. Don't right. don't waste time not asking him what that was yeah. and that this is going to be the plan that fulfills you the most that you were specifically created for. And so it, that began my time of asking the Lord, okay, I have I've learned that I can trust you because the more that I empty myself of other things yeah. and bring you into my life, the more happy I am, the more fulfilled I am, the right. more alive I am. And that made me realize, okay, this perfect plan that you have, I want it. Yeah. Because if so far putting you more in my life and your will in my life has filled me like this, then I know that anything outside of your will, walking away from your plan for my life, yeah. is going to leave me that in that same emptiness. And so I, the first key factor was I really desired, okay, God, I want to live your plan, yeah. not my plan. I know where my plan leads and I don't want that anymore. Right. And so as I was going through college, I feel like I was always in this kind of back and forth because I did want God's plan, but then the things that held me back from um, fully embracing it had me on this kind of back and forth. Okay, yeah. well, maybe I'm called to marriage. Maybe I'm called to religious life. I don't right, know. They're right. both so beautiful. And that was important too, that the Lord said, yes, they are both so beautiful. And I created you for one of them. Mm. <laughs> and um, so as I was going through this journey, this kind of back and forth, trying to listen to the Lord, but also wrestling, I think a lot with the question of like, God, would you be enough? If I gave up everything else, mm. would you really be enough to fill my heart? And that always, I think, kind of held me back from really making that jump to say, okay, I hear you, Lord, and, yeah. and to start walking. And so it was the summer after I graduated from college, we went on a mission trip to Miami 
where the sisters were and we ran a, a summer camp for um, kids in the inner city and it was beautiful um, giving yourself and then we would have spiritual things in the night to receive. Yeah. We would have talks with our, our mother foundress of our mm -hmm. order and um, times of praise and worship and we would you know, fill, our, fill ourselves back up and then give ourselves totally. And while we were there, we had the gift to go to the perpetual profession of two of our sisters. One cool. of them being the one that had been there when I was a freshman mm. at the Newman Center. And so in their perpetual profession, they're laying their lives down totally to the Lord, literally lying prostrate yeah. like you see at a, a, a priestly ordination. And I just had this, this realization and I said, Lord, if you need to, me to give myself totally because I knew if they hadn't given themselves totally, if yeah. it was halfway, then I would not have encountered the Lord and I would still yeah. be off in that empty path I had been walking. And I said, Lord, if you need me to give myself totally mm. so that one other heart can encounter the love I have encountered, I will do it. And it was like, mm. it was like I gave him permission, you know, finally, and that he was like, okay, I hear you. You've, given, you've opened the door, now I'll come in. He's right. truly that guest. He waited for me to open yeah. the door to say, Yes, Lord, if, if this is what you need of me for that one heart, yeah. I will do it. And so it was in that mass that um, I, right after receiving communion, and I was in that moment when we're the closest to the Lord we could ever be. Yeah. And um, the song that even the sisters were singing, the words were, only to you I belong. And I knew, Lord, you're asking me to give everything to belong totally to you so mm. that that one heart, even if it's just that one heart, can encounter the love I had encountered. Yeah. Um, and so the next day I, I opened the scriptures and I opened to John four and it was like the Lord answering that question yeah. of, are you enough? And in the passage of the Samaritan woman, when she's so skeptical, like, yeah. could you really get this water? You Who know? are you? Who are you? Are you God. greater than our yeah. father Abraham? You know? And, um, and Jesus says, if you, if you drink this water, this water of the well, mm you will thirst again. Yeah. But if you drink the water I give you, you will never thirst and it will overflow in you a fountain unto eternal life. And I just heard the Lord saying so clearly, you know, if you want to go searching after all those other things to fill you, yeah. you can do it. You can, but it will never fill you. Not only yeah. am I enough to fill you, but I'm the only thing that ever will fill you. Yeah. And so in, in that moment, I knew he was just confirming the sense of the night before that he would, yeah. had created me to be filled by him. And then in that filling to be wow. overflow into others to bring them to his love. Wow. Yeah, you think about the word satisfy, like satisfaction comes from the Latin satis, which means enough, mm -hmm. right? And it's exactly. like, wow, these are the waters that satisfy. Truly. Wow. You saw the profession. Yeah. It prompted you to open even more fully, Definitely. even though you were already like open, right? And just the invitation, again, making the invitation and he came further in. Yeah, wow, absolutely. That's wonderful. Amen. Sister Monica. So it's so beautiful to hear all these different paths that the Lord calls. And I think how the Lord has worked the most powerful way in my life mm. has been helping me understand my true identity yeah now i am his beloved bride but it's always been deeply engraved within my heart since i was very young yeah and i had that inclination even since second grade a special grace that the lord gave me to ask that 
fundamental questions. We have mm. to ask ourselves fundamental questions. I think that's what one of the crisis of our times that we just don't want to go deep within the heart mm. and discover all these beautiful truths, all these beautiful plans. Yeah. Yes, that the Lord wants to do in our lives. Yeah. We want to stay on the breach of superficiality. Right. And we are made for more. And since I was younger, I was very drawn to that. And concretely, you can see that that I had that inclination that I really mm. enjoyed going to mass. I went to a Catholic school from K to 8th. I went to a public high school from 9 to 12. My parents, uh, I had the blessing that they had an open heart to God, but they were very private in their mm. faith. So you're not going to see my family sure. involved in a parish setting in the different ministries that's there. Uh, they do believe God is important, but right. very private in a sense. Sure. So when I was young, uh, I was in a sense the same. I was kind of, a, I would say even a, to a sense ashamed to really open up and to tell everyone how much right. I love the Lord, but I kept it secretly to myself and I knew that he was calling me to yeah. something great. But also at the same time, I was very good at tennis. Mm. So since I was around that age, nine or 10, I played my first tournament, I won my first tournament, I saw great success. And as I saw that success, as you saw in the different stories, I thought back then that that was what was gonna fill my heart to help me understand yeah. who I, I was. And so back yeah. then I would receive the identity as tennis star. And I'm again, I'm not going to say anything bad about sports. I would be the first one to get a tennis racket right now and play or any basketball, soccer. Right. I'm, I'm out there. But I know the Lord is calling us more to life. And from that experience then on, so I got a full ride. I went to a D1 school, Let's played, go. yes, tennis. Where did you play? Uh, Furman University. I Furman, wanted a yeah, okay. small liberal arts school. But after that, there was just, after all that, again, as Sister Kelly and yeah. Sister Lucia saying, there was something, that satisfaction as well as you're saying, there's something missing. Mm. And nothing could really fill. We all have that longing for happiness. And I think that happiness mm. is only in Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. And that's where I, I finally had the conviction to say, okay, I finished my tennis career. Lord, how can I completely give myself? Yeah. to you, to to give myself fully to you. And so I got my undergraduate degree in education. And so this is a small seed too that the Lord planted within my heart, uh, the service to help the vulnerable, mm -hmm. those in need, and especially children. And I intended originally to uh, become a child life specialist, even though back then when I was younger, I really admired religious, but I just didn't have that courage right, to right. step up and say, hey, I want to... Yeah go and give myself completely. So I, um, during that time, I studied. Uh, I was going to be a child life specialist. I entered grad school at the University of Pittsburgh mm. and applied developmental psychology. And I said, I'm going to give time to the Newman Center there. And how yeah. fitting on this day, actually, this brings me such great joy to sp speak about it. Yeah. It was at an oratory mm. that I had that deepest encounter that I really got to understand my vocation. The sure. oratorian, there was an oratorian who was my spiritual yeah. director. So he helped me uh, discern my vocation to understand that yeah. fundamental question. Because in the world, uh, there's limit yeah. to, to love. 
and love in its essence really mm. doesn't have it any limits. No it's beyond. Yeah. And I truly believe in the blessed sacraments. Yeah. And all our sisters and different people have expressed that encounter yeah. that you experience that it's so surreal. It's very even difficult to put in words right yeah. now to really express to you the reality of love that I am experiencing, my true dignity, yeah. that I'm not measured, that I'm not put on a balance, that I'm not told these expectations that are irrealistic, that I'm living a reality mm. that is in front of me. Yeah. And I want to bring that reality not only to myself, right. but to all those around me. And that is our purpose in this life. Yeah. And that's love itself. And so that sparked me within my vocation and how way and what pathway could I bring forth this love to right. each person I encounter. It doesn't matter which person, either it be yeah. the most, uh, a person who's in the medical field, a person who's serving in different areas. Yeah. It's that all embracing love, universal love of Christ. And so I talked with my uh, spiritual director regarding right. that fundamental question question of vocation because I went to a Catholic school, but I was never expanded upon about the essence of a, what a vocation is. Right. And that is the sincere gift of self where out of that love, that outpouring forth love that yeah. you receive from Jesus, you want to give yourself completely, whether it be directly through him, through religious life yeah. or to a person through the sacrament of marriage. Some yeah. uh, could be like I said, um, a man to give sure. myself. And so that's, I was posing and I really discerned between the two because, uh, yeah. I really understood to more the beauty and dignity of each vocation too. When my spiritual director helped me understand the true meaning of marriage, because we, in our culture stay at the superficial right. level of what marriage is. And so I had that mentality being brought up that was going, and it wasn't as bad, but it could go very deeper. That yeah. was going to find a good man, uh, have a well-balanced life, yep. have a good job. I'm going to have children. He's going to be a good man, have good morals and respect me, which um, is not bad in a nope. sense, but yeah. there's something deeper. And mm -hmm. it's that what's in the heart that you want to have yeah. that deep love that you just want to give yourself to the other at all costs, get out of yourself, die yeah. to yourself. Yeah. And so I really prayed about it. I really learned about both vocations yeah. and it was just set within my heart to discern religious life. And that's the way that I felt that the self-realization, the greatest potentialities of who I am first yeah. as a, a woman, as a, a bride to, to give myself completely and the lord has a sense of humor because now i'm in marriage and family life and That's so hilarious. with that great zeal i can proclaim and yeah. help others re really discern the dignity yeah. and beauty of the sacraments yeah. of marriage and right. i do want to make just that emphasis that there is a misunderstanding in our time that oh religious life is the closest to jesus christ yes we have a radical calling we are with him right. but in the end it's the vocation that you are called to holiness yeah if you are a good husband if you are a good wife you are living in holiness yes. you're laying down your life you are extremely close to jesus christ yes. you have his fullness if you are a good humble simple religious obedient all the vows yeah. living them fully you are 
very close to Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. We, we love to play the comparison game, and that's like a seed of the enemy, is to, to pit us against each other and to always know what's best. As, as you were speaking, I was just thinking about how, like, what, what, is it, what is God's plan, right? It's not like it's in a filing cabinet in heaven that we'll get to actually see, you know, get the, you know, the wax seal taken off at, when we get there. It's like, well, let's see how you did, sister. <laughs> the Lord's plan for you is holiness and happiness. Yeah, it's is, is union with him. That's his plan. That's his plan. And uh, the question of vocation is like, how am I going to glorify the Lord most powerfully and totally? It's not... Uh, this or that kind of deal. It's a, it's a how. Uh, in that vein, I was thinking about Pope St. John Paul II's quote, man cannot fully know himself through a sincere gift of himself. And it's like, well, that makes sense. So you discerned religious life and why the sisters of the pierced heart of Jesus and Mary. So this is where I differ a little bit the story yeah. from both our sisters that sure. they had a direct encounter. So I have a funny story that everyone thinks since I'm from Florida, I was probably directly with the sisters, Mm. but I wasn't. I first discovered about our community was when I was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So imagine I'm from central Florida. I went to Miami several times, mostly because of tennis. That's where the tennis tournaments were, but it was in Pittsburgh and how in Pittsburgh. So it was in a pamphlet in Mm. the basement of the oratory that I that's crazy yes so that's how funny and my spiritual director too can i can i do a quick sidebar just to make this thing full circle for people so today we're recording this on the feast of saint philip neri the founder of the oratorians and so sister uh sister monica referenced the oratorians and her spiritual director being an oratorian um at the oratory Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what that is and yeah so you said you found this pamphlet in the basement of the oratory is that right Yes, yeah, so okay. it's very similar. They have their specific way, characteristics okay. of life, of how they bring Jesus to others. And yeah. one of that way actually was it's a Newman Center, yeah. but through their way of life, through right. oratorians. So there are different priests that are living together, living the values of St. Philip Neri sure. and bringing others closer to him. So one of the important things on the first floor would be perpetual adoration. Mm. So anyone that entering, and I remember my first time seeing the perpetual adoration there, but also, um, as we know with Philip Neary, he was a great missionary and especially with all the youth. And so there in Pittsburgh, uh, it was a blessing that the oratory actually was next to, so the oratory is the place sure. where the oratorians live, the priest, next to the cathedral, mm. and next to two important universities there. So they would have a lot of formation, a lot of events with the youth. So yeah. University of Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon mm. uh, were both universities there. And so the youth would involve in a lot of activities, yeah. whether it be a Bible study, whether it be a time with outdoor games, sure. a fellowship, service, etc. Those were different opportunities that I was offered there. And in the basement, it was a time where we would just hang out, yeah. we'd be, we encounter, and I happened to be there, and I remember reading the brochure of my uh, religious institute. Right. And I will never forget my first impression of just seeing Mother Adela Galindo, my mother sure. foundress, and her picture, and I just 
it's just love at first sight with a community. Wow. I just saw her first, such a tender gaze that she had, mm. and I felt a connection. Yeah. And after that, looking at her and gazing at her, I then began reading yeah. about her, our religious community. And one of the biggest things, too, was that they were Hispanic. Mm. And that is something important. Again, going back with identity, being culturally, universally with the Catholic Church, yeah. having that, that zeal. And I saw they were a bilingual community. She was from Nicaragua. My parents are from Central America. They're from El Salvador. Mm. Just having immediate connection. But beyond that, that first level, just seeing as what Sister Kelly Grace mentioned, those pillars, yeah. above all, first all, Eucharistic adoration. Yeah. I, I truly wanted to discern a community that had each day one hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament mm. where the Lord, we believe the actual body, blood, soul, and divinity yeah. of the Lord is present with us and to have an hour in front of him and, right. and pray. But above all, it just went back to what I was mentioning to you, expressing the sense of love and identity to build a civilization of love, life, yeah. truth, and solidarity, and having no limits and being in different places within the church. And so that's where the Lord just really brought me with those pillars and yeah. just that heart of that simplicity, the promotion of the dignity of the human person yeah. to partake in that message. And it's just a great responsibility and task. And I, I give thanks to the Lord how naturally he placed that cool. in my life. That's and, fantastic. And our Blessed Mother, too, trying to be her image and yeah. presence are one and important model. Yeah. I mean, it's so beautiful that the Lord not only gave us himself, but he gave us a mom. Mm -hmm. He gave us a mother. Uh, why? Because he knew that we need that we'd need one, you know? Like, yes, we have Mother Church, but like, Mary, come on. Yeah, she uh, she guided me as well. She took my hand and led me mm -hmm. on the way um, when I first came to the Lord That's as well. Beautiful. So praise the Lord. Beautiful. Yeah. So I feel like you guys pray every day. I've got this feeling. I've got this feeling you guys pray every day. You spend time in the presence of our Lord in the Eucharist every day. Absolutely. Is it a, is it a written rule at an hour? Yes. Okay. You have a holy hour in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day. Every day. A awesome. personal holy hour. Personal yep. holy hour. Great. So you can't be with any other people or just we, kidding? It just, you know, it's us and the lord one-on-one -on -one. yeah one-on-one yes. on one. yeah other people can yeah. be there but our prayer is personal with the lord <laughs> explain to me more about this i'm intrigued tell me more <laughs> so yeah part of actually when we profess our vows there's yeah. a part that we um vows our promises right so yes. when we make our first professional vows we'd say no, and, and I vow and I promise I will have yeah. a Eucharistic centered life oh wow it's a, it's a vow that you make yeah Wonderful. it's part of it's within the rights of our vows right so of daily Eucharistic adoration, mm. daily Eucharistic cool. adoration. And, and this is a time where we come to the fountain of love and life. Yeah. And this is where we're nourished and filled so that we can live to the fullest what he has called us to yeah. live in the apostolates and missions that he has entrusted to our care. There's, they're, like I mentioned in the beginning, they're so extensive. Yeah. And if it's not because we're filled with his love, with his light, with his life, with his love and his mercy. Yep we wouldn't be able to give ourselves totally and completely like he's asking right. of us. And that's the beauty of religious life and of all vocations, to be honest, Sure, is that giving up of ourselves in love for him and, and allowing him to fill us all the more right? so that we may become truly a gift to yeah. others. And that's the gift that we give is his presence. Yeah. This is truth. It's his light. Yeah. 
So we, it is in, in, in that in that holy hour that um, we allow him in a more deeper way to to enlighten us, yeah. to elevate us, to even heal us, to right. give us, you know, his strength, his grace. Yeah. So that we could become that authentic instrument um, and yeah. all of our vocations, religious life, um, yeah, marriage. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Um, yeah, but there's mm-hmm. that phrase like you can only give what you get. Exactly. And exactly. And I feel like the, I mean, maybe this is just the American mindset of, of Lee, but like, okay, so if you can only give what you get and you give, that means you have less. It's like, <laughs> no, not with the Lord. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. Exactly. He fills and he fills and he fills. If you're connected to the font of living water, your apostolate is the extension. It's the overflow of that which you already have welling up within you. Yes. It's not, uh, oh, I get a bottle of water every day from Jesus. You know, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. Yeah. And it, even, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Even more so, it's, it is necessary in, to give in order to keep receiving. Because we think about like, what's the difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee? Like, why is one dead? Mm. Because it only receives, it doesn't give it doesn't go out and so the same thing happens is like this giving is actually what is it's the life of the blessed trinity you know there's this total gift and this total receiving and that is a necessary part of even be able to receive the lord more is that we give ourselves give everything we go to receive and we give ourselves everything and we we go to receive i just love okay holy land geography fun fact for you what is one of the cities that's very close to the dead sea but by the way what is the dead sea the dead sea is the lowest geographical location in the entire world like it's 1300 feet below sea level and yet it's like really close to the mediterranean sea it's like what is going on there what is one of the closest cities to the dead sea bethlehem so jesus comes to the lowest place. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Literally. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Literally. Anyway. Yes. And another yes. point Please. that I think is important to make that goes along with this, with prayer, yeah. is there's a misconception with religious life that is not a marriage, but mm-hmm. it is. And we are, I'm the wife and he's my husband. And the deepest level of intimacy yeah. with our husband is at the moment of prayer. Yeah. If there is no intimacy, no deep love, then there's not going to be life. And so even those in marriage can understand this concrete illustration within their vocation. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, too, it's not rather a burden for us, but it's a need. It's the reality of our vocation, of our betrothal to Jesus Christ. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a need and a gift at the same time. It's crazy. Yeah. If we really knew what we were, what was happening and realized fully consciously of what would happen when we walked into a place where the Blessed Sacrament is exposed, like we think like, oh, I'm going to give a holy hour to the Lord. Like I'm going to pray this holy hour for you, Jesus, because I'm so dedicated to you. And if we knew the gift of God, Mm. which Jesus says to us in the gospel, if you only knew the gift of God, and how he is there pouring himself out. I mean, we would be, that's what Blessed Carlo right. Acutis thought. He was like, why aren't we lining up so that we can yes. be before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament? Yeah. And and that's what, if we truly come to understand it, that's right. what it would be. Like, yeah. get me into that chapel. This is the greatest moment of my day. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, if we really knew what was going on, we would have parking problems at all of our churches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and wow, this is Holy sure Spirit moment. Right. If I could just... Please come Throw on. here a, a quote of, I don't know if you've heard about Blessed Dina Bellinger. Nope. 
She's a religious sister of, of Jesus and Mary in Quebec, Canada in 1923. And this is what she said in regards to the Eucharist. Yeah. This, is, this goes along with what Sister Kelly Grace said in what you were just saying. Yeah. This is what she says. If souls but understood the treasure they possess yeah. in the divine Eucharist, it would be necessary to encircle the tabernacles with the strongest ramparts for yep. in the delirium of a devouring and holy yeah. hunger, they would press forward themselves to feed on the bread of angels. Right. The churches would overflow with adorers consumed with love for the divine prisoner, yeah. no less by night than by day. If we yeah. only understood the gift that we have before we, us. We need armed guards for yes. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. A lot of our listeners out there might not have had that head to heart relationship moment yet with the Lord, um, particularly with the Eucharist. Anybody who was out there who might be on the fence, sisters, what advice would you give to them with respect to the Eucharist? Wow, that's a that's a powerful question, and uh, I I would from a personal level, I would first say that um, coming before the Eucharist and embracing the gift that we have in the Eucharist is not based upon feelings. It's mm. not that every time we kneel before the Lord, we are going to feel something. So you're telling me love, love is not equivalent with a feeling. No, it's a conviction. Wow. Yeah, come on. It is a conviction from the heart that we believe fully the gift that we have before us. Mm -hmm. um, and because we believe, then we, we, we can surrender and trust that even though we're not feeling that the Lord is working 24-7 in each one of our souls. Yeah. In each one of our beings because he wants to equip us and he wants to continuously yes. heal us, elevate us, bring peace, bring joy, bring love. In a world that it's lacking love, lacking peace, filled with fear, filled with anxiety, right. the Lord wants to come in. And we were, I think you were mentioning the fact that he's a gentleman. Yeah. The Lord is always ready 24 seven with his arms right open to receive every single human being, no matter how grave the sin is, no matter how deep the wounds are, yep. no matter the, the the burdens that the soul carries, the Lord is ready to forgive. The Lord is ready to elevate. The Lord yeah. is ready to pour forth his merciful love upon each and every human being through the gift of the Eucharist, which is not just, he's not He's not just in, in the mantras or in the tabernacle, but he allows himself to be consumed by us so that we may become one with him. Mm. So I would literally just encourage people to, to come to know him. Yeah. I mean, we cannot love whom we don't know. Come to love right. him, understand him, and and just build little by little. It's not from one day to another, but it it's a lifelong journey, right? Sure. We fall, we get out, but he is yearning for each yeah. one of us in go the tabernacle. On, go on a date. Yes. Amen. With the Lord. I mean, absolutely. It, I was like, it is it is kind of almost like one day, not to another, but like it's one one day at a time. Yes. It's like go on a date. I mean, we think about falling in love. Falling in love. It's like, sure, you have the love at first sight, supernatural gifts from, you know, a holy yes. guard of the basement of your church. But like, you, I mean, I saw my, my wife for the first time and I was like, she's pretty. <laughs> I didn't, it didn't click through my mind. Like, she's going to be the mother of my children, <laughs> you know? But yeah, it just starts with the date. Yeah. And, and you know, man or woman, it doesn't matter, but just go. Yes. Right. And give them, yeah. It's like Sister Monica was saying, it's as coming before the Lord to ask those fundamental questions. Yeah. Why am I here? Why was, what's your purpose for me? Why was mm -hmm. I created? Yeah. There is a purpose. 
there is a mission that the Lord yeah. has in store for each and every single human being. Yeah. So it doesn't become what I want when I want, how I want it to be, but how you how you want it, Lord. What what do you want of me? Yeah. Because we all have specific gifts and talents that the Lord has given yeah. us that he wants to put to use. And yes. how we come to recognize those is precisely by allowing him to reveal them to us. Yeah. And that's only when we start building that constant relationship with our Lord. And yeah. thank goodness for the sacramental life where we have the gift of confession, that if we're just filled and overwhelmed by sin, that we could go in that confessional and receive his unfathomable yes. mercy and be cleansed and pure because the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure of heart, yeah. for you shall see God. So the more pure we become, the more immaculate, the more he'll be able to shine forth his mercy upon yeah. our hearts and we will be able to give shine that light and that love and that mercy to others and yeah. we'll be authentic instruments of his love and purity is is not an uh is not the fruit of like the act of the will mm -hmm. like purity is the result of christ in you amen yeah like it's it is he who purifies us amen yeah just to yes. clarify it's not like something that we can muscle our way <laughs> like i'm gonna be pure <laughs> yes um, you need his grace and something you were saying really made me think about how faith itself is not just a theological like assent like me signing some waiver saying okay i won't sue you or whatever but it's 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 trust it's trust like i trust you you know, like I, I trust you. Amen. I trust that you have my my good at heart, that you you truly want good things for me. Absolutely. And, and not just at times, as if you know, but like at all times, in every place, in every season. So yes, it's it's um, yeah. Love is love is work. Yes. Love is real. It's not easy, fun, glamorous. Love is love is real. It's it takes labor. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. one more thing I yeah, just please. wanted to add to with words of advice, just a simple phrase, yeah. no expectations, mm -hmm. because we really place a lot of expectations and that kind of creates boundaries. Mm -hmm. Just open your heart. Let the Lord take control. Yeah, we are not in control. We live in a culture of control that we are the one that produces that results right. and everything comes for from me this is of course it's going right. to require a step of faith and we know that the lord is divine and it's supernatural yeah but it's that surrender and having those eyes of faith that he will bring forth right. that life that is within us so that's an important advice yeah. to not place any expectations just just simply give him a chance and open your heart and let him act. Right. Can I throw a weird, can, I'm going to throw a weird angle on it. <laughs> I would say have a big expectation and that expectation being that he is faithful. Absolutely. hundred percent. He's faithful. So if anything, just expect him to continue to be faithful because he is always faithful. Yes. And yeah, yeah that's all I'd We can be that. unfaithful, but he will always yes, he's be always faithful. faithful. That's right. He's unchangeable, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Always faithful. Constant. Love it. Yes. Yeah. One thing that I think helped me to grow in Eucharistic love and just falling in love with Jesus in the Eucharist was to, I mean, you can't, we've been talking a lot about falling in love, right? Yeah. And you can't fall in love with someone that you don't spend time with. And so it was when I started to make, even if I didn't fully understand it yet, or even if I was still trying to see how this all right. fit together, 
I made a commitment to that spending time with him. I made I started to go to mass. I started mm. to go to Eucharistic adoration and simply just in in beginning to make that choice. It's like yeah. I don't need to have it all figured out necessarily. I don't need to um yeah. have that from the beginning. I just need to okay, let me just you yeah. know, you're never going to get in the water if you don't put your foot in. And so it's yeah. just just in allowing that to become part of that rhythm of life to allowing yeah. to inviting the Lord and his Eucharistic presence just into my life in those yeah. little ways and those choices. That's when he started to really reveal himself to me mm. and when I started to experience what I was maybe not sure if he would fulfill at first, right. you know. Um, and so we we step back and think, OK, head wise, like in my mind, you know, first of all, can God do this? Mm -hmm. He's OK. He's he's God. Can he come in any form that he wants to yeah well i guess so he's god right i mm -hmm. mean i can't i i can't place that living on him right but why is it so unbelievable because he becomes so small yeah and so vulnerable but is that any more unbelievable than that god god became man became yeah, when he, when when jesus became literally a not only a baby like an embryo you know in yeah. his first moment that God became this, yeah. what what's totally vulnerable, yeah. totally um, the smallest, the most, um, in amidst of a whole world, totally unknown, you know? Yeah. And so in the same way, this unbelievable uh, reality of the Eucharist is the same unbelievable reality of the incarnation, which we know mm. he did, you know? So if he chose to do that, could we take that next step and say, wow. could he also choose to at least a, a come in the appearance of bread and wine. Yeah. I think this might be a good point to transition into the second part of our conversation about our papal document for today called Mirai Caritatis, <laughs> if that's how you say it, because I don't speak Latin, folks. <laughs> if you do... Well, Call us up. <laughs> yeah. I, know, know. I know people, but anyway. Uh, but this is a document written by Pope Leo the Thirteenth, just as a reminder, and we're going to go over the second section today um, or second or third, depending on when this comes out. Pope Leo XIII, he wrote this uh, on the 20th day of May in 1902, uh, the Solemnity of Corpus Christi in 1902. So, And he's in the 25th year of his pontificate, so he's been around the block. Um, and he wrote this document for one purpose. He said, to stir up and foster in the hearts of all men the dispositions of mindful gratitude and due devotion toward this wondrous sacrament, the Holy Eucharist. He says that in paragraph two. So particularly today, we're going to be taking a look at paragraphs 11 through 16, I think. Yeah. Um, sisters, what are your greatest hits? The point that struck me the most was in the end, charity, as he's yeah. really talking about that bond of charity, creating unity. Yeah. What we see a lot today in our time, there's no coherency. There's fragmentations. Yeah. And that's why there's this confusion, their disorientation. And really, we have a sense of the truth. We understand mm. the truth when we are one. And that is the only way that we can find truth through concrete actions of love. And that mm. is charity. And I love how he connects that with the yeah. Eucharist as well. Even talking about 
the substance, like the way that is even made, how yeah. the grapes and how all the particles within the bread that's yeah. going inside. And of course, in the time of the mass then consecrated where the, the priest uh, does the consecration in the actual body, blood, yeah. soul, and divinity of Christ. But in the end, it's really what is love and, and truth is charity. And we live in a culture right now that is so egocentric. Mm. It's about I. Yeah. I. I. And that is putting a stumbling block. And yeah. we are a universal church. That's one of our greatest identity. And and within the document they mention within class structure yeah. differences. So as a Catholic, as a beloved son of God and believing in, in yeah. Jesus Christ, really what will help us obtain this true goal, this truth, yeah. is the Eucharist because that is the essence of charity. That's right. where Jesus Christ laid down his life yeah. for each one of us. And as going back yeah. to what Sister Kelly Grace was saying with the incarnation, I can't even understand. It's so yeah. hard, difficult to understand that our God who can do anything possible that yes. he wants, he became man and how much he was rejected since the yeah. very beginning. But how did he act? He act out of charity. Yeah. And, and we see within the Eucharist a circle and circle mm -hmm. is that oneness, that eternity, that unity. And we see that, that it's essence. And so it's also going to a reflection of, of love. Yeah. The true essence of love. Yeah, uh, he says in 11, uh, as charity towards God grows cold, charity towards one another is inevitably like it's going to happen. Uh, mutual charity of men among themselves is likewise going to grow cold. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, something that you mentioned um, as you were introducing um, this Mire Caritatis mm -hmm. by Pope Leo the Thirteenth, um, the papal documents actually bring so much light in our present day it's yeah. like if he had written this for this moment mm. in history yeah. something that really have struck me here and it just a reflection of um our world today and pope leo says here men have forgotten that they are children of god yeah. and brethren in jesus christ so what does that mean that people have lost their identity as of children of god created in his image and likeness mm -hmm. and not just that but created um, in love through love and for love right in other words charity so I mean, we've been talking about the gift of the Eucharist and how much this gift is being taken for granted, obviously, because the enemy doesn't want the world to draw himself, yep. ourselves to him who yep. is love, right? Um, but also understanding that it is in the Eucharist, God himself, that we, it's the school of holiness. The Eucharist is a school where many saints are forged. Okay, so what, what's our end purpose? Our end goal is to get to heaven. Well, our end goal is to become holy, holiness. But it is not until we understand our dignity of children of God and we turn to him wholeheartedly and we, and we become love in him and through yeah. him and reveal and express his love with the gift of our own life that we will actually see a change in the culture. Mm. Yeah. So needed in our present moment. So we need to 
bring back the children of God. I mean, everyone, it's our mission, you know, mm. and, and as mothers of spiritual mothers, that's our, our, our strongest um, mission here is to go after our spiritual children, to go after humanity yeah. and bring the good news, mm. the, the joy, the light and the truth of our Lord and his mercy so that we can start doing something about um, this culture of death that we see this culture of yeah. darkness and i mean we can name a whole list of, yeah, of yeah. things you know um but it is in the eucharist that right. we find our greatest identity and mission another word that struck me as well is totality yeah how he gave himself completely yeah not holding anything back how now in our times we can all fall including myself yeah. into what we call mediocrity Maybe there are some things, whether it be fear, whether it be maybe yeah. laziness, maybe it be selfishness, yeah. but yeah. really just to give himself completely. And so that's what's so beautiful here. In a word, the Lord's sacrifice symbolizes the oneness of heart guaranteed yeah. by a persevering and inviolable charity, which should prevail among Christians, that sacrifice that he gave completely of right. himself. Yeah, I think that's what we're created for. And that's why this um, one of these challenges of our culture is this lack of fulfillment, because, OK, yeah, we want that. But that's pretty risky, you know, yeah. like that. That's OK. Pick a direction and go. That's. I think the desire of our hearts, but mm. it also requires the most risk, you know, of, yeah. of that. It, it, it does. It's right. not going to that that love has to be that vulnerable place of saying yeah. this could I could get hurt you know I could fall I could get go wrong you know yeah. and it takes that willingness to risk it all which is what Christ came to show us you right. know willing to risk it all risk everything for the sake of love I really was struck by in 13 just that genuine charity like what is real charity um, he says that genuine charity therefore which uh, knows how to do and to suffer all things for the salvation and the benefit of all that leaps forth with all the heat and energy of a flame <laughs> uh, from that most holy Eucharist in which Christ himself is present and lives in which he indulges to the utmost. Yeah, I think sometimes we forget that Jesus is alive. Mm -hmm. and not just like an idea. Like he is truly, he, he has a body, he has a beating heart, Amen. and he is currently taking up some physical space yes. in a way that we cannot perceive because he's God <laughs> and heaven is on the other side of the veil. Yeah. Just this idea of, um, what is true love? True love knows how to suffer all things. Amen. Amen. And union with Christ and the cross for the, for the benefit yeah. of all. Amen. And that's what the cross is, is for the, the benefit and the, the good and union with the cross. Right. Okay. And when true love is tested. Yeah. Yeah. That brings to mind for me, um, St. Maximilian Colby, we think of him most um, kind of primarily for that moment when he made the sacrifice of his life for another. You know, right. he was in the concentration camps and, you know, yeah. men were being called forward and one was called forward that that said, I have a, a wife and, and children, please. Like, yeah. and St. Maximilian Colby was the one who stepped forward and said, take me instead, right? Yeah. And, um, but many years before that, as he was living as a brother in his religious community he would always be they would be working hard to fulfill their apostolate would be which would be to spread 
basically the word about Jesus and Mary to right. all corners of the earth. Yeah. Working hard, working hard. And he would always go to spend these little moments of time before Jesus in the blessed sacrament. Yeah. And he would go and they would say, brother, you're so busy. Father, you're so busy, you know, to, um, mm -hmm. wh why do you keep going to go before the blessed sacrament? And he would say, how can I not go before the sacrament of love? Yeah. How will I learn to love? How will I learn to give myself if I don't sit before the one who is constantly, and here it says renewing, that Jesus is renews, ceaselessly yeah. renews his sacrifice there in the blessed sacrament. And so it was by the times that he spent before the blessed sacrament, all making that choice to be before love, yeah. that he was ready to make that sacrifice of himself in love when that appointed moment came. Yeah. The sacrament, he says this in 15, in a word, this sacrament, capital S sacrament, Eucharist, is, as it were, the very soul of the church. Amen. If this sacrament is truly the source and summit of the church's life itself, it's not a far stretch at all to say that it is the very soul of the church. And if it's the soul of the church, then shouldn't it be ours as well? All analogies fail if you take them to the limit, but just St. Maximilian Kolbe, he understood this. Mm -hmm. That's yes. why he would go. The, the Eucharist is a secret of the saints. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's it. It's yeah. all there. And it's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's not cool. It's Jesus. Yes. Because his kingdom is not of this world. And right. The way that we, I mean, his logic is not our logic. Yeah. yeah. It transcends. And yeah. it, it's, and that's the beauty of it all, that mm. it's very contrary to what the world has to offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Actually, I have here a beautiful quote of our mother founder's mother, Adela, and she beautifully says that in the midst of today's chaos in the world, the one who is Lord of history, who is at the core and center, not only of the history of the church, but also of the history of humanity, presents himself before our eyes. He raises up in front of our eyes, which are loaded with darkness, the sublime and luminous gift of Christ in the Eucharist to give us his light, a light which shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Mm -hmm. Come on. Come on, John 1. Darkness, yes, darkness is not the last word. Rather, his light. Gosh, it's so funny how the world loves to think that Satan and Jesus are like even on the same level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Dude, we're talking about creator and creature. It's not even a game. Like, it's not a battle. The, the battle was over from the beginning. You can't like, create all. The war's done, you know? <laughs> like, yes, we still have a part to play, and yes, we're still stuck in it. He is victorious. Middle, but it's like, come on. It, there's it a, limitless power and freedom in Christ Jesus. Sister Kelly, you got anything? Well, I was just going to um, go a little bit later in f that paragraph 15 that we were looking yeah, at. Yeah, go ahead. And... Um, there's this moment, and I think this even kind of ties into what we were just saying of like, um, okay, why does, okay, Satan's not anywhere near close to the power that God has, yeah. but why is this still such a battle? Right. And it's, it's like you said, our part to play. If Satan has no power over us, yeah. if we are rooted, if we're clinging to the Lord, yeah. who is the all-powerful one. And so it's amazing because here in... These words, our Holy Mother Church is like, it's like the, we're being begged to go to mm. Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. The Holy Synod admonishes, exhorts, 
asks yeah. and implores by the tender mercy of God. Can you hear <laughs> the like, please, yeah. if I could say another word so that I yeah. could beg you. And oh. then what is it going on to say? Begging us as the faithful to mm. be prepared to and receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Begging that we would make his flesh, take right. his flesh for our food in, yeah. um, and have and do so in a way that first we are prepared and yeah. to be able to receive him and then that we would go to receive him. It's like there, you know, I can just see, you know, like yeah. a, a parent before the child that says, please, I know that this is the best thing for you. How yeah. can I convince you? What can I do? And right. it's like that the Lord is is I'm sure the same way. He's like, what else if I haven't what else can I do right. to prove my love for you? You know, what else can I give if right. only you would receive? And so I think that that's oh. something for us to say, okay, the, it's not that I have to do all these things for God and yeah. I have to make all my, I mean, we got to make our, our efforts, you know, fight the battle, but it's, that's not the primary thing. Yeah. It's that God is pouring himself out, is giving himself to me and he's just begging, just receive me, yeah. just receive me. And that yeah. the in the most most intimate way in the reception of the blessed sacrament right i was watching a video the other day of this one woman just giving some marriage advice mm -hmm. and uh she was saying about how when relationships get difficult or tough the american way is to say something's gone wrong it's like no your love hasn't gone wrong your relationship hasn't gone wrong it's gone real mm. so what do you do about it you can either shy away just get frustrated and get angry and let the anger be your end, or just acknowledge it, embrace the challenge, and integrate Christ into it. Amen. And that's in that what you were quoting, Sister Kelly, was from the the Council of Trent. Amazing, yeah. In the 1500s. Mm -hmm. Wow. From the beginning, begging us, us come, yeah, come go. to receive the Lord. I think we have to return to that in a sense of, I mean, again, this kind of like white knuckling American ideal that we've been so kind of American. talking about. We've been talking about America a lot. America I don't know why, it's just kind of coming up. And it's in this whole idea of like, <laughs> if I just could do it, if I could just, oh. Right. And this is struggle that we have with growing in virtue and then also with the vices that keep coming mm. in. And so recognizing like also the kind of like, let's turn how we see it. Like I'm a sick person and right. I need medicine. Am I taking my medicine every day, yeah. you know? And if you go to the doctor and you're like, I just can't get over this. He's like, did you take your medicine every day? Like I told right. you. And right. you're like, well, you know, but I really tried to, you know, feel better. And he's like, go to the medicine. This is really what yeah. the, when we, as we're struggling wow. and striving to say, I want to grow in virtue or even with vices that are really even like strong habitual yeah. sins that we're maybe yeah. struggling with go to the Eucharist, you know, yeah. and even, even as we're struggling and maybe moments that we can't receive the Eucharist, I always encourage people go to mass like every day. Then yeah. if you're in that struggle, if you're in that battle, go to mass every day and long for the Eucharist yeah. and receive still the, what, what the Lord is pointing out in just the power of the sacrifice mm -hmm. of the mass. This is the pathway to living constantly in yeah. grace that we're, we're maybe in that, in that battle towards go to yeah. Jesus in the Eucharist in all the ways that we can. This is going to be the the fuel that we need right. in order to fight this battle, but not with ourselves, with the Lord, yeah. you know? He invites us to be, right. only be still and I will fight for you, you yeah. know? And so that's the what he asks of us is to come to him in the Eucharist. That's our spiritual power yeah. as we strive for virtue and as we try to um, 
eliminate and fight out that the vice that we're struggling with. Yeah. What are those things called? Barnacles. Barnacles. Yes, they attach themselves <laughs> to the bottom of a boat. Yeah, sin's kind of like that, right? And mm-hmm. especially when it comes to vice, like these habitual dispositions to not do the good, but uh, to do evil, as hard as that is to say and hear. Yeah, like sitting in the presence of our Lord, His light acts yes. as that medicine itself that just mm-hmm. breaks them away, breaks them off. Uh, I just read a story by Michael O'Brien called uh, By the Rivers of Babylon. If you don't know who Michael O'Brien is, read everything that he's ever written because he's amazing. Um, he's an iconographer, uh, author who lives in Canada. That's all I got. But anyway, he in this story, uh, the story, it's it's about the prophet Ezekiel. And it's kind of just a, a play on, well, it's not a play. It's a, yeah, it's historical fiction. But uh, he's working in the canals of Babylon, basically, because they're in the Babylonian exile. He's got leeches on him. And these leeches, right, the only way that they can, you can't like pull a leech off. It doesn't really work that way. You have to, um, you just like take a hot, the little twig out of mm-hmm. a fire and just like stick it on the leech and it falls off. Hmm. And it's like, we have to do the same thing. And if we go to the Lord, you know, he's going to do that for us. Yeah. His light acts as that. His presence is that little uh, smoldering stick, yes. if you will. And we see that yeah. concretely in the lives of the saints. Yeah. But going back to the saints, one clarification is sometimes we think them as superheroes that they're just up here. Yeah, they're so beyond. I'm beyond us and right. I'm here. But really, they were just like us. Yeah. They were so simple. They were ordinary people yeah. living an ordinary life. But yeah. they said the key to them was that na- nature and that grace. So yeah. the Eucharist, as you all were mentioning, yeah. but also their cooperation and i think a misconception as well is we think big Mm -hmm. but it really starts with the small yeses that's what builds into the the bigger and even going along with muscles and athletics we know even training the body we're not going to start very big because what what are we going to do we're going to have an injury within our body and i think uh with Uh, striving for virtue is in the same way we have to start small and that is what's gonna build and when I say small first within our own homes Mm -hmm. in our case it's common within our fraternal life our our sisters being faithful in the marriage life within the family and then from flowing from there outside Mm -hmm. yeah I love superheroes and I think is it like our culture around the world loves to like we're all romantics we are Mm -hmm. we are so romantics it's like oh it's gonna be great it's gonna be awesome it's the best thing ever (laughs) it's gonna be beautiful perfect you know and the same thing applies when we think of the saints is like oh these people who are revered respected and honored and they're just yeah i mean it makes total sense as to why we think them so big and beyond is because we're we're romantics and uh but yeah just do the next right thing yeah. Be faithful in the little way and we'll be able to say yes. Uh, if we say yes in the small ways, day in and day out, virtue will happen. And if we do that, then it'll be that much easier to say yes in those big moments when the Lord asks uh, more of a sincere and total gift of ourself. And going and, along yeah. to a more thing with, with hope, with a saint that I like to give an example of is St. Augustine. Yeah how before his conversion you think of everything that can go wrong mm-hmm. i think he probably yeah. is in that <laughs> in that range yeah but how well even his mom monica not that sister right. monica is going to talk hey, about monica but, <laughs> but but it is the power of prayer you, you see yeah. there as well but how really there is hope someone who completely went a different path yeah. someone who completely yeah. was closed his heart 
on God. You see how God opens his heart and gives mm -hmm. him that chance, and now he's a great doctor in the church. Right. Yeah, Sister Lucia, how you said in the beginning of how um, like you, you were doing a really, you just expressed like how I can't describe it mm -hmm. because it's experiential. Yes. And when we meet the Lord, uh, when we those ha when we have those moments of encounter, mm -hmm. like we can't, there's no way you can't, you can't fully put that into words because you have to just experience it. Yes. And it's, yeah, it's like, how do you, how do you describe coming into contact with the one who has been, is now and ever shall be mm -hmm. the infinite yes. Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Like, how do you do that? You don't, it's impossible. <laughs> we can only just like give, we can hint at shades and just like point out like this one frequency of light or this one frequency of sound or whatever and just be like, but that happened. Isn't that cool? Yes, it is so good. But we have like the cause to find those moments to, 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 to dispose ourselves to moments of encounter. Absolutely. Like put us, put ourselves in those places where encounters likely, right. you know, like, okay, you hear all these stories, almost every single person we've had on this show so far and every single person that we're probably going to have on has had some type of encounter with the Lord in the Eucharist in adoration, you know, just like check it out. If every single human being listening to this podcast would turn to the Lord and open their hearts to the power of his grace and his love, we will be forming an army here yes. for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes. We will be changing culture little by little. Sign me up. Amen. We're in. Sign me up, <laughs> Army sister. of saints. Yes. That's a good little militia. Uh, what was Maximilian Colby's? Yeah. Uh, militia La Immaculata. La oh, I love that. Immaculata. Just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Sisters, thanks for being here. Thank you Thank for inviting you. us. Pleasure to be here. Thank I wish we could just keep talking all afternoon and so powerful. <laughs> have dinner, drinks, whatever. Just you know what I mean. But like, thank you for being here. Thank you for your witness. So thank you for your power. vocation. Thank you thank for your you. faithfulness. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your just being you. Thank you, Lee. Yes. Thank you for thank your you. vocation. Oh, you're and welcome. Everything you do <laughs> and your zeal <laughs> and your zeal and enthusiasm. Uh, hopefully, great. it's not too overwhelming to listener land out there. It's but, powerful. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, I hope this. I hope this conversation has blessed you, uh, dear listener. Uh, if it has, please share it with your friends and family because we got to get the word out that Jesus is alive and he's about a good work and he's mm -hmm. truly present in the Holy Eucharist. Uh, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen from. And uh, that's also going to help us get the word out um, about this when people are searching for things with respect to faith. This has been New Mana. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bless you. <laughs>